We're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. Adulting is a term used to describe grown-up behaviors, anything from doing laundry to signing a lease. Like many things millennial, the backlash to this made-up word was simultaneous with its swift rise as a hashtag on social media. That's just the kind of behavioral paradox Matt Gorin and Danny Kofke love to talk about on Nothing Funny About Money. That's a lighthearted show about personal finance produced and broadcast at WUGA in Athens. We asked Matt and Danny to share part of their show on financial adulting. Danny starts off with his definition. To me, being an adult means paying bills. Gosh, you got to pay to have the TV on? You got to pay to have the lights on? So I think, hey, I'm an adult now. When I grow up, I want to pay bills. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't we all? Stay in college as long as you can. Well, once you do finally become an adult, you'll realize that the 20s are a critical time, not just for paying bills, but for a lot of other stuff. We talked about on the investing episode, the earlier you start saving, the better off you are. The magic of compound interest, just having that time on your side to just do it as early as possible. You want to buy a home in your 30s, you don't start saving in your 30s. You start saving even younger. And those kinds of saving and investing behaviors, they're started with setting good habits as soon as you start living on your own. Yes. When I was in my 20s, saving up, buying that first home, putting down a good down payment. Here we are now, 42 years old. We're mortgage free. But to get that bright future, you have to combat the horrible reality of lifestyle creep. And this sounds maybe like a villain from some 50s (laughs) B-movie. Lifestyle creep is when you see your income going up a lot and you think to yourself, hey, my expenses can go up too. And what happens, your expenses start going up maybe even faster than your income. I know with a lot of people that start making $150,000, $200,000 a year, they start jumping into $600,000, homes, and that lifestyle creep, once you do that, then everything else. So, you know, if I'm living in this neighborhood, I got to send my kids to this school, and I may have, it's not the public school, I got to pay for the private school. Yeah. Oh, the other neighbors, they have tennis lessons. We got to have those too. So it just starts creeping up. It's intense. You feel judged by everyone in these little cul-de-sac neighborhoods. People can look right into your driveway and see what you're rocking or not. What do you do? How do you manage that pressure? And if you are like the typical recent graduate, you're not only dealing with that pressure, you're also dealing with student loan debt. For someone with a bachelor's degree, the average is now $40,000. That debt can mean a failure to launch, where your financial adult life takes an extra decade to get going. You might want to knock that debt out as soon as possible. How? For some answers, we turn to Zena Kumak. She's a financial writer who got her start paying off $24,000 in debt in just three years. 24000 so that was about average for that year. It was, yeah, yeah. I've always been average. <laughs> okay. So you, the average person with the average amount of debt and the perfectly average life, but then you did something that wasn't very average. Yeah, I just really, really hated the feeling of being in debt. It felt like this physical anchor that was just dragging me back. Every time I went to spend money, I just thought, well, my money is already accounted for. Like, government owes all my money. Sure. Really so it's, it's not that you're response. going from like $1,000 in your checking account to 990 It's I'm going from negative 24000 yes. to <laughs> That's exhausting. And there are a lot of studies about, you know, the anxiety and depression that you get when you have loans and debt. 
So I just really wanted to pay them off quickly. And I remember I, through my budget, because I wasn't making that much, I was earning about $28,000 a year uh, working as a newspaper reporter. So I called my student loan provider and I said, okay, I can put an extra $10 a month. What is that going to do? And she ran the numbers and told me that it would actually take off one year off my 10-year term. So I'd go from paying it off in 10 years to paying it off in nine years. Right. So even something that small could make a year difference. Yeah, which is, to me, that blew my mind. And I think if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been so motivated Mm -hmm. because that made me think, man, $10, like, you can spend $10 in like five minutes, you know, go out to lunch or buy a movie. So that got me thinking of what if I can find 20 or 50 or, you know, even 100. So how much did you ultimately decide you're going to try to pay down every month? That first year, I think I mostly only paid $10 extra. However, I also decided that any time I had extra money coming in, whether it was a birthday check from grandma or a tax refund or, um, you know, like a random rebate or something, I would try to put the majority of that toward my loans. And, you know, we also don't really keep track of those. It just disappears. So if it's going to disappear anyway, why not put it towards something like paying off your student loan debt? Yeah, and you really have to make that commitment beforehand. And I, I would always take a portion of it for myself and buy myself something I really wanted. And that always felt good because it felt like, okay, I'm being responsible but I'm also getting something that I've been pining after for months. The same time you're doing the financially responsible thing, your quality of life is also increasing from where you were before. Yes. So you're better off in every single way. Yes. Right on. So then <laughs> this goes on, what, a, a few months, a year, and what do you see happening to the student loan balance? Is it actually coming down as quickly as you wanted it to? You know, definitely not as quickly. That first year is very frustrating. I spent a year at that job, and then I moved the city where my boyfriend was living to Indianapolis and suddenly I wasn't driving like every weekend to see him and this is back when gas was four dollars a gallon and so I got a little bit of a raise and then I was saving on gas and like a few other things and suddenly I had significantly extra so at that point I started paying another like three to four hundred extra a month consistently so really ratcheted that up before you're finding this found money and trying to accelerate payments, but then it was the ongoing increase in income and the ongoing decrease in cost, the every single day you've got a surplus you didn't have before. That's when you turn yes. the corner. It's funny because I remember someone at work asked, are you looking at a new car? And I was like, nope. Or, you know, I remember people, like one time my boss was, he would always want to go out to eat. And I, of course, never wanted to go out to eat. And he said, well, don't you have any fun? And I never said this to him, but I said, well, you know, I was like budgeting for entertainment, you know, fun sure, things. But sure. I was like, fun is not hanging out with your coworkers at some <laughs> crappy restaurant for an hour. Like, you know, I'd rather go take my leftovers and like read for an hour in the break room. <laughs> wow. No, I really, I really enjoyed my coworkers, but I thought, well. That's not worth it. Like that right, $10 right. can buy me something oh, I really want. Yeah, so you're being very intentional with your money and you still had that sense of I'm I don't have 2000 in the bank or whatever. It's I have negative maybe at that point $15,000. Yes. So that yeah. you couldn't escape that. You still couldn't escape that feeling. You're listening to Matt Gorin and Danny Kofke, hosts of WUGA's Nothing Funny About Money. We asked them to share their thoughts on financial adulting with On Second Thought. Danny, what are your thoughts so far? 
first off, it amazed me that when she started off, she was making $28,000 a year. I mean, that's nothing. And she was still able to start tackling that debt by applying an extra $10 a month. And it's going to take an entire year off her student loan debt. And what's that, 30 cents a day? It's incredible. If you can't find 30 cents in a day, then I don't know. Loosen up the budget a little. Yes. Avoiding lifestyle creep doesn't mean avoiding an interesting, fun life. It means avoiding high fixed expenses like pricey homes and luxury cars. Whose car is pulling up in Jerry's driveway? Wait, is that Jerry? Did Jerry just buy another car? Hey, Jerry. Hey, Tom. How you like the new ride? Yeah. Is that a Tesla? Oh, yeah. Brand new. Wow. Got bored with the BMW already, huh? What? What's that? Well, you sold the BMW and bought a Tesla. Oh, oh no. I still have the BMW. It's in the garage. Yeah, that's more of a winter car. And then I have the Audi for long-range driving and the Mini Cooper for mountains. I had no idea your garage was that big. Jerry, don't take this the wrong way. But do you really need all those cars? Ah, there goes Frugal Tom again. Nah, I think this is almost enough. Marcus across the street thinks he's hot stuff with his third Range Rover. So I had to show him what we're all about. Three Range Rovers? Odd-numbered addresses all the way, right, bro? Sure. Anyway, gotta run. Meeting with a loan officer about my second, second mortgage. Something about garnishing my wages, whatever, whatever that means. Garnishes for salads. I don't even have one Range Rover. We're back. On this month's episode, we're talking about lifestyle creep. Let's return to part two of our interview with Zena Kuma. We're in the middle of your second year out mm-hmm. of college. You're trying to pay this off. And were you just staying at the extra, say, $300 a month? Was the, How long did you maintain this phase? I think it might have been like an extra, I want to say closer to $400. Mm-hmm. And then what really changed for me about after a year I got this new job, I also moved in with my boyfriend and a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, I had been living alone, which, right, you know, right. living alone is vastly more expensive than having roommates. So suddenly I went from paying 625 just in rent, not counting, you know, utilities and internet and things like that, sure. to having two roommates. And our rent was 266 a month. Wow. So, of course, I took that difference. And suddenly I was basically putting half of my income toward my loans. I'm ballparking here, but this is now about maybe $900, a $1,000 a yeah. month? Yeah, I think it was like 900 950 And this is all the same idea before of increase the income, decrease the fixed expenses, and this found money. But you're still hanging out with the boyfriend, you're still doing fun stuff, and the debt is just cratering. It's going away really rapidly. Plus, when you get up to that point, you're paying so much less in interest. Right. So the principal is really decreasing rapidly. I mean, it, it really is like such a rush, such a high feeling. <laughs> sure. All right. It feels good to get out of debt. How long then did this take before you were totally done? The debt's gone. So it really took three years from my first student loan payment in November 2011. So in November 2014, I was debt free. And almost all of that getting out of debt happened really in this year and a half period. So somebody tells you, you have 10 years to pay this thing off. You did it seven years ahead of schedule. 
Yeah. Sometimes I, uh, I think of like, oh, like, okay, I'm 29 now and I would still have it. Yeah, sure. And I've been debt free for three years now. And you'd still have it for even more years. You'd be into your, yeah. your early 30s before it finally went away. So now what is it like not having any debt? How does that feel? My husband and I are probably going to buy a house next year. Oh, congrats. And you said husband, so the boyfriend turned into a husband. Yes. yes Congratulations on that, too. Thank <laughs> right, you. Good. And I'm glad it's the same one. That would have been awkward. <laughs> but then, yeah, go on. So my husband and I, were both self-employed, which if you know anything about buying a mortgage when you're self-employed, it is much more difficult than when you're traditionally employed. So I was talking to a friend of mine who's a mortgage advisor, and I was telling him you know, how worried I was that it was going to be this incredible hassle from the bank. And he goes, well, what's your debt-to-income ratio? How much are your debt payments compared to your income? And that feeling of being able to say, oh, well, I don't, I don't have any other debt. That right. was so nice. And I thought, well, at least this one thing I don't have that maybe other people have. Like, I don't right, have right. student loans or a car payment or anything else. Well, if you're looking for more help understanding how to get out of the situation, talk to Zena, ConsciousCoins.com. Zena, thanks again so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Prioritizing savings when you're in your 20s can be really, really difficult. So to help that, we have some ideas for you just to get started. One of the big finance tips is just to know where your money's actually going. I mean, that is a given, but yet so many people do not do it. And I will say, out of the two of us, I'm the elder statesman here that have I've lived a little bit longer than my co-host. Um, this is true. Yes, yes. But I will say, when we got married, the first month, we wrote down everything we spent for a month. And then at the end of the month, we were able to analyze it. You and I can both give general tips. Don't go to Starbucks. Don't go to the movies, whatever it may be. But that doesn't apply to everyone. When you write down what you've bought, the numbers don't lie. You personalize it, and then you're able to analyze your budget and say, okay, we can eliminate this. We can eliminate that. And then we took it a step further, and then we used cash only for the entertainment, for eating out, and at that time our groceries, because it's a lot harder to part with the green stuff for most of us sure. than it is to swipe a piece oh, of plastic. Oh, you can feel it. You can really feel it. Somebody is going to take that dollar bill that you have in your hand. It's like part of you is getting torn from your body. That little dollar is gone forever. Yes. George, they, come back, come back. <laughs> they hand you back the credit card. You don't lose the credit card, but the cash does go away. So if that helps, hey, go for it. Just keeping a budget, as Danny said, for a month, try to hang with it for three months. You'll find so many invisible expenses become visible. Starbucks is a great example of that. You don't feel that individual Starbucks until you add them all up for three months. I didn't realize I spent $500 on coffee-flavored sugar milk. If you're not keeping track of it and you don't know where it's going, it's easy to let it go. And how about the new car? What a lot of people don't understand is you're not just paying for the car. If you have the loan, you're, of course, also paying interest and registration and gas and insurance and deferred maintenance. And all of those expenses might not be obvious. Another big practical tip is start budgeting for that new car. Pretend like you just bought it and then see how does that affect your budget? Can you afford that $500 just for the car payment, the new insurance bill and everything else? Do that now 
before you're locked into the new car. And if you find it's too much, you can't afford things, well, good that it was just on paper. Take it a little further. When you do have a car, if you have a car payment, continue paying yourself that payment even when the car's paid off. You keep a car 10 years, and let's say five of the years you've been paying yourself a car payment, well, you're going to have this chunk of change sitting right there, a lot more than change, and you'll be able to go buy another car, hopefully outright, if not outright, for a lot less than what it's going for. This brings us to another big tip is the pay yourself first. When you are making these automatic payments, like Danny's saying, do it at the first of the month. Before you spend any money anywhere else, that automatic payment goes into savings, goes into investing. You don't feel it because you never saw it in the first place. It's put aside. And then if you blow everything else, guess what? You've still made a smart financial decision because you have money set aside. That was Matt Gorin there. You also heard from Danny Kofke, host of Nothing Funny About Money. That's heard on WUGA. We asked them to share a part of their episode on financial adulting with On Second Thought. Coming up, a summer program takes to the sky. Hear about a camp that puts aviation careers and a more diverse workforce on the same flight plan. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for that and more of On Second Thought. 